Hallelujah. It's going to be a good night tonight. So the title of today's message is Fighting for Your Inheritance. It's Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. Amen. We wanted to start off by thanking our pastors, our elders, our fathers, and our family for helping us become the men that we are and will become. We can't be standing here without the stuff that y'all do for us, the teaching that y'all give to us, the advice and the correction that we get from y'all. And we wanted to take a moment while we had all of you to thank you for it. With that in mind and the love that we have for one another, we're going to have to ask you to forgive us for our mistakes and we're going to roll right into Hebrews 11. Amen. Since we have our Bibles with us, let's go to Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. Yeah, if, if you're there, say Justin Johnson. <laughs> Amen. We love you, Justin, if you're watching this. <laughs> it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would ra- later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So Abraham had to just walk. He had no idea where he was going. He just knew the Lord said that way. He said, leave. And whenever I stop to think about this, it's profound to me that he's caught in a position where he knows what he must do, but he has no idea what the outcome is. He doesn't even know what step two looks like. He just knows he's supposed to go this way. He doesn't know if the Lord's going to say to turn, go back after that. He just knows that the Lord was told him to walk. I was thinking about how many of us, myself definitely included, are standing in that position. Knowing that the Lord's told us to do something and we're going to step because we love him, but we don't know what the repercussion of that's going to be. That we're all standing on the edge of a cliff looking, Lord, are you really going to catch me? I know you told me to jump, but are you really going to catch me? We don't know what the bottom of this looks like. And I was taken away by Abraham's faith in this moment and how he demonstrated it in his action. And we want to talk about that some more. Amen. Verse 9 says, By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. This promise wasn't just for Abraham. This was for his descendants. This was for everyone that was going to come after him, but that's pretty easy to see 4,000 years after the fact. He didn't know that Isaac was going to come. He didn't know that Jacob was going to come. It's pretty easy to go, okay, so he lived in tents, so his son lived in tents, and his son lived in tents. Abraham doesn't know this at this point. But God gave him a promise in a moment he was going to have to fight for for a lifetime. That he didn't know what was, where he was going. He didn't know the opposition that was going to come from Abimelech and stopped up wells and birds of prey. He knew that there was going to be obstacles, but he knew that he had to go. And he had no idea where they were coming from, and we're going to find out a little bit more about that as we go. But let's keep going. So, so isn't this a good start to what we're having tonight? You guys are quiet. I know you may have yelled yourself out over the weekend. But put yourself where, where our caves have started us off this evening. Anybody ever had to do something, and you're not sure what, what the outcome is going to be, but the Lord is telling you to go? Isn't that where most of us are on any given day? Yes. What you saw this weekend was us being able to gather together and see that the faithfulness of a few that produces more and more of righteous of a righteous standard. Man, that the reason that it's celebratory is because we can see now what the faith was for years that caused that to come about. When you hear the early sermons from this church, you know who Pastor Eric is preaching to? 
his family. He's preaching to eight people in a room. And you know what he's saying there? What we saw this past weekend. It's one thing when we get to the victory spot. It's another thing when we're going, Lord, we, all we have is faith. We've got to trust you. And we don't really even know where we're going. Man, this is, this is already stirring my heart. And I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to... These young men are sharing their, their hearts. But it is a word for all of us or we wouldn't have allowed them to stand on the stage. So let's have, let's have hearts that are ready. We're not, I don't want us to be flat. I don't want us to miss what these young men have because I feel like it's from the Lord. Amen. So with us slowing down and speaking firmer because we need the correction of our pastors. Next thing Amen. we're going to look at is the opposition that comes from within and without. That it isn't just an opposition that is the fear of what he has to do or, or what's, it's also what's going to come against him. We're going to begin to look at that because he also has no idea what's coming against him. It's not just a promise that he doesn't know is coming. It's also the enemy's response to that promise that's coming. We're going to move to Genesis fifteen eleven. Say Justin Johnson when you get there. Justin Johnson. Justin Johnson. Massive McMassey. <laughs> Genesis fifteen eleven. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Come on, this is one line. One line, but it means so much to me. Abraham is making a sacrifice before the Lord where there's going to be a covenant made. The God himself is going to come down where Abraham is asleep. But as soon as he makes the right sacrifice, what comes? Opposition. Birds of prey to eat and take what he has just done in faith. That it is trying to sully the movements that he just made towards the Lord. How many of us have to deal with this? How many of us go where the Lord tells us to go? How many of us step where the Lord tells us to step and there's already a giant there to meet us? It's like, Lord, did you really tell me this because this guy's pretty big? Yes, of course. It's immediately what we're met with anytime we want to do something. The enemy is listening when the Lord tells us something. We're going to continue to talk about this. Whenever we're fighting for the promises of God, there is naturally going to be opposition. And uh, let's go to Genesis 16. I'll explain another way that we can be opposed. Justin 16, 3 through 5. It says, So Abraham had been living in Canaan ten years. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, And gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. I look at this scripture very personally. Because when I'm trying to do all the promises of God, when I, when I see the promise of God in the distance, I oftentimes try to make it happen with my own arm. I oftentimes try to say, how can I make this happen? I know the Lord's told me to go work here, so how can I make this happen? You see, I don't want to be like, like this story. I don't want to try to make God's promises happen in my life, because if I do, it just compounds problems like, like crazy. See, the more we try to do God's promises in our own arm, the more we stack up the majesty of what he's promised us based on our, our own strength, we just mess it up. 
I mess it up and I compound the problems that, that I now have to deal with. Let me give you guys an example of something like that. I'll share from my own life. Who's ever stretched out with their own arm to purchase a vehicle that they were not supposed to do? Yes. And then about, I'd say, three months into it, when that payment is hitting the account, that you despise that very thing that you long for. That'd be a right time to name your vehicle Ishmael. Speaking of Ishmael, we're still dealing with that problem. Abraham's repercussions for his mistakes were just as big as his faithfulness. Because my family's entire calling is dedicated to fixing that mistake. Bringing Ishmael back to his father. Bringing Islam into the kingdom of Jesus as sons and crushing that satanic problem. Come on, man. But it all started right here with unfaithfulness and trying to fight the fear that was inside of Abraham with his own arm. Yeah. Amen. So we're going to continue on to... Uh, Genesis 21, 22 through 25. Mm, say Nick Slaughter when you get there. Nick Slaughter. Nick Slaughter. Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. So we're still talking about opposition. We've talked about some inward opposition, problems that they created that turned into external, and we're going to talk about it still. Genesis 21, 22 through 25. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me in the country where you are living as an alien the same kindness I have shown to you. Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. So let's take a backdrop on this for a second. You're an alien in my land, and you should treat me with the same kindness I've treated you. There's this little matter with my men taking your water source, but you should treat me well. See, Abraham had to fight with injustice. He had to fight with people who were claiming to be righteous, saying that God is with you while taking stuff from you. He was using Abraham while he's asking for a blessing. Abraham had to fight for everything. He had to fight for water. He had to fight for the promise. He had to fight to get into the land. Everything that Abraham did was resisted. You could say that he was harassed on all sides from within and from without. Amen. It reminds me of a scripture. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Slaughterhouse. Amen. It says, For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. But we, we were harassed at every turn, conflicts from outside and fears within. See, when I put this verse in context with what we've been talking about, you can have birds of prey, you can have Abimelech coming and attacking you, conflicts from the outside. We're running after God's promises, and it's important. God's promises in our life, it's very important, so we're naturally opposed by the enemy. And it also says fears within. And to be honest, this is where I tend to fall most times. It's when I give in to the fears of, oh, it's not going to work out. I know God promised this. I know it's big and he can do anything. Yeah, all of us say that, right? Yeah, God can do anything. It's just, is he going to do it right here and right now? (laughs) See, Abraham tried to make it happen. He tried to make his son come about and it just ended up in an Ishmael in his life. And I don't want to be like that. See, I want to be like Abraham and live faithfully 
in what he's called me to do. Hey, man, church, you making the right applications here? These young men are sharing from their heart. Anybody had birds of prey since you were there in Chicago with us? While you were in Chicago? Fighting on the way home with your wife? We, our church. Or in downtown Chicago. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That sounded really, really personal there, Pastor. Um, It was somebody to share a testimony with. Right, of course. Of course. Of course it is. It was one of those people, yeah. The idea that each of us, when do these things come? When did the birds of prey come? After the sacrifice was already split in two. You couldn't undo what had been done. You couldn't undo it. We've already made this commitment. We've already spent the money. We've already traveled the space. We've already done what we needed to do. Now we have to fight for what we received. We've had so many folks in this church get sick. We had people going to hospitals and clinics while the services were going on there. Don't tell me that there's not birds of prey that we have to fight. Don't tell me that there's somebody fighting for the well, a well of salvation that has sprung up within you. Don't tell me that there's not these things that are going on. Don't tell me that now you're going to try, almost like Galatians 3.3. Are we so foolish that what began in the Spirit we're going to now try to achieve with the strength of our own right arm? Come on now, what they're saying is right. What they're saying is good. What I know as one of your pastors is this, is I know that you've already been attacked. I know that it didn't even take you leaving the last service before we started getting attacked. Amen. Amen. We were in holy, righteous robes, dancing before the Lord. Now put your gloves back on and fight. Amen. Yes. That's what these young men are telling us. Let's let's continue to hear what they have because it, it gets even better from here. But I want you to understand, this is what was in, in our spirits as your pastor's going, yeah, can't we just enjoy it? No, it's time to fight. I'm sorry to tell you that that is the life of a Christian. If you think it's supposed to be different, then you've been deceived and you're missing what is actually worth it. It is worth it to fight for what the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Hebrews 11, verse 10. And when you're there, say, Baj Erjina. Drop the Bosch card. (laughs) Be careful, young man. That name carries a lot of power. So So Hebrews 11, verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. See, what God requires of us, if we're going to get the promises that he's promised to us, is that we have to live by faith. Because it's not our plan, it's not our foundation, we aren't the architect and we can't build whatever he's promised you. (laughs) And it says that the builder is God. See, what God has promised you in your life is so much bigger than what you can imagine. (laughs) So don't, in your own arm, try to act accordingly. Don't build something that's smaller than what he wants to build for you. Because he wants to build something big for you. And if you live in faithfulness then it's something that you could have never imagined. Abraham couldn't have one child, and because the Lord was good and he is faithful, he promised Abraham nations. He's the father of the faithful. Amen. 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 That's good word. That's good. We need to set our gaze on things above. Amen. How important is it for us to fight in his plan? We have to fight through opposition. See, I'm hearing this, and I can't help but think of a little pistis and vigor. 
coming about. Because I know JJ went and dealt with those birds of prey. I know he did. Because JJ's a man like Abraham. I know all of you are. When those birds of prey are coming, you come and you scare them away. And the Lord does the rest. He put Abraham in a deep sleep to make the covenant so it had nothing to do with him. But we have a job. We have a responsibility to go scare away the birds of prey. We have a responsibility to fight. But it's not us that brings about the victory. It's the Lord. While we're talking about the pistis and vigor of Abraham, I want to go to Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled. I just want to start with that word enabled. What does that mean? That beforehand he wasn't able. But the Lord made him able. He enabled him to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Come on, saints. The Lord enabled him. He made him able to bring about the promise. It wasn't possible for him, but he didn't just have one descendant. Didn't just have two. He goes all the way to Keturah at 138 and having more kids. Nations came from this man because he was full of a little vigor and a little pistis. Amen. Faith. Faith. (laughs) See, when we live like Abraham, wholeheartedly, dead set on what God has for us, the dead womb can be opened. We have many testimonies of that in this church, of things that look dead are now alive. Come on, man. We get to pursue God's promise wholeheartedly. This is not, it's, it's not a struggle as in, um, like it's something to begrudge. That's a word. Begrudge. <laughs> we get to fight for God's promises wholeheartedly. We get to receive what God... <laughs> We get to receive what God's promised us because we live in faith. And that's encouraging. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about the internal struggle. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah, so... Internal struggle, right? We read in 2 Corinthians 7.5 about how there's fears within. You know, Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't have a kid. They, they were barren. They, they couldn't actually achieve what God had for them without the Holy Spirit. They couldn't actually achieve what God had for them without faith. And it's the exact same thing in our lives. God's called us to do something, and we, we can't do it by ourselves. God called David to slay Goliath, and David could not do it by himself. He needed the Holy Spirit to help him do it. See, I've been reading in the book of Daniel uh, in, my, in my readings this week. And something that I'm amazed by over and over again is Daniel, he has to interpret dreams. And not only interpret the dream, but tell the king what his dream was before he interprets it. See, Daniel couldn't, couldn't do that by himself. No man can do that by himself. And what happens is because he trusted in the Holy Spirit, he not only saved his life, but the lives of his brothers. See, when we trust in the Holy Spirit and we live by faith, knowing we can't do it, coming into grips with the fact that we are barren, that we can't do it by ourselves, but we're trusting in him anyway, it produces life in every way. Amen. 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 See, we should be able to act like Abraham did. 
We should be able to look at ourselves and know that we're dead. Look at the wife that the Lord's given us and know she can't bring about the promise and still believe God and act righteously. Because it's what the father of our faith did. It is what credited him righteousness. And he had to fight for it every step of the way. We've been talking about it. A promise given in a moment you're going to have to fight for for a lifetime. Because he didn't get that child the next day. It wasn't one more. It wasn't one step, and then it happened. It was step after step after step. But he trusted God every step of the way, and it was righteousness. Amen. Amen. Not only a lack of belief, but actual obstacles. There's always giants in the land that the Lord's called you to. If you're going to a job that the Lord told you to go to, your boss is going to hate you, or an employee can't stand you. It's going to be too far. Your car is going to break down. Something's going to happen because the enemy always puts giants in the land the Lord's called you to. It's not just an internal matter. It is also external. But we have a God who wins against both. Amen. 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 You know, one of the things is clear is that I hear these guys and see them them as they're full of uh, pistis and vigor, full of faith, (laughs) full of veracity, is that what they have before them are generations sitting right here in this room of a lifetime of faithful fighting. You know that the fight that you're working to win today is not only going to win what God has promised to you or even your your, uh, generations after you, but it is setting a precedent of victory for all those that are watching your life as well. Let's put it this way. How many of you received something at the One Association Conference? What if that won't matter in the long run unless you fight to keep it? What, what a great weekend. Boy, you'll look back on it to be circled on your calendar. This was an amazing time with the Lord. Now you have to fight for what you received there. If you got a word, now you've got to fight to see that happen. If you got healed in some way, now you got to fight to keep that so that it doesn't get stolen away. The word tonight is the right word for us. You've got to fight because it's worth it. Amen. Because what he did in us is so incredible. We're going to use his strength that works in us, and we're going to continue to fight for what he's done. Amen? Amen. So we've been talking about Abraham 4,000 years after the fact in Hebrews. I want to go back with you guys to when the first promise was first given. In Genesis 12, 1. There. The Lord said to Abram, his name hasn't even been changed yet, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Man, who has been blessed by Abraham's faith in here? I, I, I know I have. I've been blessed by the word of God. It's, man, that's great. It says that I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. See, what it took first for us to receive this blessing was for Abraham to first take a step in faith and leave. He had to leave where he was and go to where God had called him, go to the next place that God showed him. It's one step of obedience at a time. You take the next step of obedience that the Lord shows you, and it doesn't matter whether you can see all the land you're supposed to take. You now know the next, the next part of the land you're supposed to take. 
It's, it's step-by-step obedience that gets us to the promised land and to where we can affect the nations. Amen. It's the step-by-step obedience that blesses me so much because the Lord could have said to Abraham, in about 4,000 years, you'll bless an entire church named LCM. How overwhelming would that have been for him? How could he comprehend that? The Lord gave him something that he knew he could do and gave him the power to do it. Leave. That's the first step that he had. He didn't have to worry about repercussions in the future about how this was going to turn out. He had to be obedient in that moment. He said that I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you because he represents God. In this moment, God is telling Abraham, you are going to represent me. Because the Lord chooses men and women on the earth to get something done. The Lord enables a man to do his will on the earth when he wants it done. And he makes them a representative. Promises go to the sons of God. To the daughters of God. That you walk in the confidence of the house. You walk in the confidence of a son or a daughter of the living God. That each step that you take is more ground that you're taking for your father. That your house is getting that much bigger. Abraham extended his territory and his family line and the kingdom of God with every step that he took because each step was required for the promise to come about. If he had stopped at step 10, then we wouldn't have the promise. We would have had the promise up to step 10, but that's not good enough. We wouldn't be saved. That it was a step-by-step as a son that advanced the kingdom, that it caused the father of the faithful to be our father of the faithful. Amen. That's a good word. While we're talking about sonship, I want to go to Romans eight twelve through 15. There. 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 Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For it is, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. How many of you are led by the Spirit of God in here? Then you're all sons and daughters of the King. king. You are in the righteous household. When you're led by the Spirit of God, you're going where the Lord tells you to. He is creating your path for you. You're a son of the house, so there's no opposition that's too big for you, from within or from without, because you're a son of the Most High. You're a son of the Almighty God. Almighty means that there's nothing too mighty for him. You cannot lose when you're being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Let's go one more verse, verse 15. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I want to encourage you guys in here, no matter how far away your promises look, no matter how hard things seem to get, we do not have to be slaves to fear at all, ever. That's, that's an encouraging thought to me because we, we are his sons. We, we don't have to give in to fear at all because we can cry, Abba, Father. Yeah. We cry, Abba, Father. We know he's faithful and he helps us to get to where we're supposed to go. Yeah. And so I want to encourage y'all to not give in to fear, to, to not let the Hagars come up and produce Ishmaels in your life. Amen. Amen. While we're talking about faithfulness and God's faithfulness and the almighty God, there's a covenant that uh, is just special in the Bible, and I, I want to read about it. It's 1 Kings 9, verses 4 through 5. There. 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 As for you, 
If you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. How much more did this promise mean to David when he watched Solomon sit on that throne? Can you imagine being a father who has fought for a promise his entire life and seeing the fulfillment of that and your son sitting on the throne? How much does it mean to Solomon to be the completion, the fulfillment of the promise for his father? Come on, sons. Come on, fathers. Can you imagine being able to take your father, be able to go down to his grave knowing that you were going to complete what the Lord promised him? Amen. That's what I want to be like. I can't. I, I want to be there on that day knowing that I was exactly what the God called me to be for my father. That I was fulfilling exactly what he promised. And you don't get to that place of fulfillment unless you're faithful to what he's called you to. Amen. Unless you learn how to fight for it every single day. Better fight. Better fight. And this moves him to a cry for wisdom because he looks and goes, I don't have what it takes to keep this going. I can't do this. This is too great for me. And he cries out for wisdom from his heavenly father and he receives it. And he's the greatest king who's ever lived. There was no kingdom on earth that was like his because his father fought for the promise. He fought for the promise. And we saw the Solomonic age come. Amen. I'm about to read one of the most anointed scriptures in, in all of the Bible, because it's one of Pastor Matt's favorite. Uh, Amen. <laughs> Let's go to Joshua 23, verse 14. <laughs> Close. Joshua 23, verse 14. It says, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You will know with all of your heart and soul that not one of the Lord's promise, one of the, all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. The Lord is faithful. See, not one of His promises that He's promised to us will fail. If we're walking in faith, striving with all of our energy in His, he is faithful to bring about the promises that, that he's promised. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 18, verse 25. Before Gabe moves on to that, I'm going to share just a tidbit of why that's my favorite one. Whenever God makes a promise, we mentioned earlier the birds of prey, obstacles will come in opposition to that promise being fulfilled. When you step forward in obedience to go take what has been promised to you, your the forefathers, and for those after you, you're going to get punched square in the mouth. In doing so, you have to pick yourself back up and read this verse and realize that not one has failed. Amen. There are several times that God has promised us things, and it looks like nine out of the ten have been fulfilled, and amen. But I know the God that I serve, and he is the God that will fulfill ten out of ten. Amen. And not let one of them fail. Amen. Amen. Psalm 18, verse 25 says, To the faithful you show yourself faithful, and to the blameless you show yourself blameless. This is, this is it. The verse is just really good. Amen. To the faithful God shows himself faithful. Amen. Not one of God's promises will fail in your life 
If you're striving with all of the Holy Spirit that's in you, when you're asking the Lord every day, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can be obedient. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now so I can, I can obey and be faithful where I'm living and in what I'm doing. Help me be, to be faithful here so I can be faithful there. To the faithful, the Lord shows himself faithful in our lives. Amen. Consider what had to happen for God to fulfill his promise to David and to Solomon. When we're going to take a look at this, let's go to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 2. And I know this is not the kind of church that's going to fall asleep on me when we read a genealogy, but I know that it's late, so let's stay with us. Justin Johnson. Amen. You better fight. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Let's just stop right there for a second. What order is Judah in the line of brothers from oldest to youngest? It's fourth. So what's that mean had to happen to three other brothers' birthrights for this prophecy to come about? The Lord had to deal with four wicked brothers. And their best efforts to ruin the promises given to Jacob and to Isaac and to Abraham for it to come to rest on one man that would not give it up, that would not let the ball drop in his generation. The scepter was going to come to him and never depart. The promise had to survive through all of that, and the Lord was faithful to do it. Judah, the father of Perez, Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. I'm not even going to get into everything that happened with Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Abinadab, Amminadab, the father of Nishan, Nishan, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Let's talk about this for a second. What was Rahab's righteous act, righteous fight for the faith? What did that look like? She had to sell out everybody that she knew and had ever grown up with to be a part of the family, to get the promise of Israel. Everyone she knew had to die. Her family was safe, but her entire city falls. That was the kind of grit, the kind of fight that it took for Rahab to be included in Israel. It, it wasn't just a, you know, I, I think I want to serve the Lord. You know, I'm going to step here. This was a decisive decision. Either I am going to die right here or I'm going to live with Israel forever. But there is no middle ground. He had, she had to go after it. There was, there was no half-heartedness in this. And the Lord had his promise survived through all of that. Through a wiping out of an entire people group, his promise survived that. Whose mother was Rahab? Boaz, the father of Bed, whose mother was Ruth. Again, Ruth. What had to happen for Ruth to be a part of the family? There had to be a famine in Israel. There had to be disobedience from Naomi and her entire family to go to land they shouldn't have. And for all of the men of the family to die on the way back. But because she said, your people will be my people and your God, my God, nothing but death is going to separate you. And I, she's in the lineage. What, what kind of righteous act is going to put you in the lineage of the king? Because from David, from Abraham, what he was pointing at was Jesus. This entire family line and promise has been pointing at Jesus. And if you don't have a Rahab, if you don't have a Ruth, then this family line's broken. And the Lord will do it. He will have someone faithful in the generation, but we'll be excluded if we don't do it. His promise is going to come about, but we will be outside of it if we're not faithful. I don't want to be outside of it. I know we're not going to be outside of it. We're not the kind of church that's going to find ourselves outside the promises of God. Because we're going to be in that Davidic line. We're going to be in that line of Jesus because we have the faith of Abraham and we're sons of the Most High God. 
It doesn't matter where your station is when he found you. Ruth, Moabitess, can't come into the presence of the Lord. Rahab, prostitute, definitely can't come into the presence of the Lord. But that's not where they stayed. Their station didn't stay their station. The Lord filled them and they became sons of the, and daughters of the living God. There's five women in this. Two of them are prostitutes. One of them's an adulterer. There was two that were righteous and one of them had to kill everyone she knew to get in the family line. What kind of grit did these women have? What kind of fight did they have to get in the family line? There was many men that failed this, but these five women, they made it. And that's a good word, <laughs> Kelly. Come on, what's the name of this church? Life Changing Ministries. That's right. So your life should be changed. Amen. Fight for it. Amen. So, in, in thinking about this word, we realize that me and my brother are just getting to the age where we can start fighting for our own households. Right? We can start fighting for for the promises of God, and. Um, Something that hit me is, I don't want to let God's promises fail or drop in my life. No. And, and I, I want to thank all of the pastors and elders here, uh, all, all of you guys, all the fathers in here that have fathered me. And something that, that weighs on me yeah, constantly is, I don't want to waste what you've given me. See, if we're not faithful with what these men have given us, if we can sit and listen and hear all the best kinds of teaching, be in the best kinds of services, but we're not putting it into practice in light of eternity, we're not, we're not putting into practice what we've been given, we're not faithful with it, we're wasting it. it the Bible and the knowledge of God has been handed down, uh, I mean, since Jesus' time, from disciple to disciple, and then it gets to us. And if we're not faithful, if I'm not faithful, then I, I've wasted it in my life. I've wasted it for the people that I'm supposed to affect. See, I don't want to drop the promises of God because of fear and unfaithfulness. Amen. Amen. How many people in your life are, are relying on you doing well? Are relying on you being faithful and being obedient and overcoming fear and putting into practice what, what our pastors have, have told us? I don't want to waste what the Lord's given me. Let's go to 2 Corinthians verse 5. Chapter 5. Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. <laughs> yeah. So earlier we had 2 Corinthians 7, 5, which talks about the fight from outside and then the fears within. And I, I think this is kind of funny because this scripture seems to answer that one. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. It says, live by faith and not by sight. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We, we see everything that could be wrong, and we live by faith anyway. Yeah. We acknowledge that we can't do it, and we go and do God's will anyway, because that's what he's called us to do. Step-by-step step obedience. Step-by-step step obedience. Amen. Living in faith and in total trust that the Lord will take care of you. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 37. Starting in verse 1. Say Shabbat when you get there. Shabbat. 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 So, Psalm 37 is a good way, um, it's a good checklist 
to see if you're living by faith and not by sight. So let's start in verse 1. It says, Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. So one of the first things that we must do in living in faith is we can't be afraid. We, we must not fret. We can't be envious. We can't say, oh, their, their promise is better than my promise, because your promise is the promise the Lord gave to you. <laughs> Our fear is only reserved for God. Uh, Pastor Eric said that, and it's really good. Our fear is only reserved for God and that we, we can't fret because of anything else. And we're not allowed to envy the wicked because their lives are easy. We're in a fight. So we have an enemy pushing against us. We have an enemy that's fighting and, and trying to stop us because of the importance uh, that our promises have on others. And so as we go to verse 2, um, <laughs> this is under the framework of living by faith. And not by sight. There's something that living by faith does for you. It guarantees your success. It guarantees your victory. This is how we win. We're talking about five ways of guaranteeing your success by living by faith. The other thing that I want to mention with my brother about envy is you not only can't envy the wicked, but you can't envy your brother's calling. You can't envy their promise because that's to look at God and say, you didn't do good enough for me. I don't like the life that you gave me. I don't, I don't like what you're doing in my life. It wasn't good enough. We can't afford to let that. I can't let that happen in my life. I refuse to let that happen in my life. Because the moment that I look at the God who created me and says that you weren't good enough, there's no hope left. I won't let myself do that. Come on, that's a good word. Y'all are acting like that was just nothing. The fact that we can be envious not only of those who do wrong, but we can be envious of those who are doing right. Yeah, that shows that there's a wicked heart that we have, that we have to address. We're accusing God of unfaithfulness. We're calling him unjust just to make ourselves feel better about our own emotions. Wow, that's pretty idolatrous, isn't it? When we say it that way, there's not one of us in here that's supposed to look at anyone else and be envious of them, whether wicked or righteous. Why? Because we serve a faithful God who does no wrong. Maybe it's that we're envious of someone else who's actually walking in their calling more faithfully than we are. Maybe it's easy for us to dislike them instead of us to step up to the right line of where we're supposed to be. Come on, let's not be those people. Let's not be a people who can be around the godly and secretly be envious. Because the truth is, is it doesn't stay a secret for long. That's exactly right. Verse 2 teaches us what happens to those who are fretful and envious and wicked. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. We know the ending for all wicked. Psalm 73 says that they're on a slippery slope, that the Lord puts them there. What changed that for Asaph in Psalm 73 was verse 17, till he entered the sanctuary of the Lord. We're in the sanctuary of the Lord in here. That's not going to happen for us. We're not going to wither away. We're not going to die because we're sons of the living God fighting for our promise. You have to fight, but the Lord helps you fight. We're going through our five things that guarantee success, and we're going to move on to verse 3. Amen. In verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. When we're running in faith, when we're fighting for God's promises wholeheartedly, one of the most important things is to actually trust that the Lord will take care of you. Because you might run out in zeal, and if you turn back, what good is that going to do you? you? You might take a step in faith, but if you take two steps back, that's not going to do you any good. It's actually going to count as judgment against us. 
So what we must do is we must trust in the Lord and do good. We have to trust that he takes care of us because he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. He never lets us down. None of his promises ever fail us because he is so faithful to us. Now in verse 4, I have to admit this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Uh, Starting all the way back to when my dad was 18 because I wouldn't exist if he didn't hear this from the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight. That word is to be happily pliable. That it's, it's such a joy in what the Lord's doing that you let him mold you in any direction that he wants to. He's forming the pot. And he gives you the desires of your heart because when he's molding your heart, his desires become your desires. When we don't have the desires of our heart, when we're sitting there longing for something that the Lord keeps saying, no, 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 it's because our hearts are wicked and we're not letting him mold it. My heart's wicked when I'm sitting there longing for something that the Lord doesn't want me to have. That means I'm not being molded by him. But when you let him mold your heart, then you gain all of the desires of your heart. There will be nothing unfulfilled. This is another way, one of our five to guarantee success. Have a pliable and happy moldable heart. So good. Verse 5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. <laughs> See, commitment takes action. Faithfulness takes action. It says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. When we commit our way to the Lord, leaving no other option, when we've, when we've jumped out of that plane and are trusting that he'll take care of us, that he'll provide that parachute for us, when we leave no other option, it leaves the best chance for him to come through when we say lord have i have nothing else but you you got to help me that's when he helps us see jonah jonah 2 8 says those who cling to worthless idols they forfeit the grace that could be theirs see if we're not committing to the lord with all of our heart it for in my life it's like i'm clinging to a worthless idol it's keeping me from obtaining the grace of god in my life because i'm not committing fully i don't have enough Faith and trust in the Lord just to commit, just to do what he's telling me to do no matter how I feel. Commit your way to the Lord, and he will help you. We have five things in this list because five is the number four. Grace. 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 And grace in Titus 2 teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Because this is God's five ways that teach us to say no to ungodliness in our attitude and our actions and how we fight. Because you end up fighting for the wrong side if you're not letting the Lord teach you how to fight. We found five things in this. The Lord showed us five things because we believe it is him teaching us all to say no to ungodliness and to fight for righteousness. Verse 6 is the promise that comes from all of these five things. And it's something special. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. The darkness of the difficulty becomes like the light of dawn. When you're the son of the living God doing these things, wherever you step, it's sunrise. I'm over here. It's sunrise. I'm over here. It's sunrise. I walked into this cave. It's still sunrise because I'm a son of the living God. We're sons of the living God. Everywhere we go, it's like it's the sun rising again. Anybody that you speak to who's in darkness, you're the sunrise on their life. Anybody who's caught in captivity, when you set them free through the power of Jesus, you're the sunrise in their life. The Christian living, fighting for the promise with these five things is the sunrise on the world. That's a good word. 
And I, I want to point something out. How consistent is the sunrise? Pretty, pretty consistent. Like the Lord bet that, uh, that if that cycle failed, then he would forsake Israel. So it's very consistent. <laughs> when we take steps of faith and obedience, it is that consistent that we get God's promises in our life. When we live like Abraham did, it's like the sunrise consistency that, that God will take care of us. Amen? One of our last scriptures, let's turn to Revelation 14, verse 12 and 13. There. Almost there. Revelation 14, verse 12 and 13. It says, This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints, who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a loud voice from he- heaven saying, right, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Come on now. Amen. Our deeds will follow us. Our deeds will follow us. The more we take steps of faith, they follow us. Come the more on we now. die for Christ, the more we gain in Christ. We have to take steps of faith and obedience daily because it's what's—it's the only thing that's going to matter in the light of eternity. Come on, church. What are we going to be remembered for? Are we going to be remembered as the generation that dropped the ball on the promises? No, are we no. going to be remembered like Judah that was the only brother that would stand up for righteousness? Like Ruth that the pe- she would not leave God's people. Like Abraham that took step after step after step and he saw the promise fulfilled and we are still blessed by it. We are going to be the church that sees the promises fulfilled because we won't quit, we won't let up, we won't shut up, we won't back up because the sons of God don't lose. We are walking in victory. We cannot be defeated because that's what the Lord has called us to. Saints, we got to fight for it. Last scripture for you. Nehemiah 3.16. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Nehemiah 3.16 says, Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of the half-district of Bethzor, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of heroes. How do you get inside heroes? You fight for it. Yeah. And you know what you do the next day? You fight for it. Amen. The day after that, you fight, you fight, you fight, you fight. Do you want to be included in the house of heroes? Yes. Are you willing to fight for it? Yes. Then we'll do it together. Amen. I want to give you a two-sentence perspective. There are some things these guys didn't know. This one is 18 and this one is 17. The scripture that told me to marry Jennifer came from Psalm 37. The scripture that she wrote in her Bible the first time we opened our home on a weekly basis to teach the word scared because it was a step we were taking and we didn't know where we would go and we were going to have to go from disabled to enabled was from Psalm 37 
Through the years, the Lord has built our house through Psalm 37. And so when I heard these guys on a recording in somebody else's house, not prompted by us, we didn't know what was going on. They didn't even ask. And I heard them say, don't fret. Man, that's good advice. Remind yourself the wicked end in death. That's even better advice. Trust in the Lord. Delight, be happy, pliable in the Lord. And commit yourself to action. I went, wow, the Lord's building another generation for the house. This turns into this and this faster than you could imagine. Ask Charlie, he's watched it happen. You guys are building your houses. You better fight for them. You've been encouraged. Don't rest on your laurels. Stand up and fight for it. The Carter house is going to be known for launching ministries. Because you're going to fight for it. The McLeans are going to be a house of ministry because you're going to fight for it. The Powells are going to be like a spring bubbling over for others' refreshment because they're going to fight for it. We're going to see this happen. I saw the Browns when I was like 19 in a vision in rocking chairs, which was funny back then because they were vigorous, powerful, the most powerful men and women of God I'd ever seen. And they had spiritual children all around them as far as they could see. Look around, Charlie Joe. You got to fight for it. Marriage is not easy. I'm looking at some of you. We, I'd say it's hard as hell, but the truth is, is it feels like hell. And you have to fight to bring the kingdom of God into your marriage the same way you have to fight to bring it in the earth. You have to fight to bring the kingdom of God into your workplace. You have to fight for it. Amen, Asad. You fight for it. Not happy with the direction that your children are going, that your life is going. Stand up and fight for it. I had no idea what the desires of my heart were. And I fell on my face and said, Lord, I don't even know what I desire. And he spoke to me and said, Jennifer, can I tell you we have fought in our marriage? But we're no longer fighting about whether we go to Taco Bell or Burger King. We're fighting about the next righteous step. And some fights are worth having. I would that all of your teenagers could have this flow out of their heart. And it's going to happen because you're going to fight for it. We are going to win. We're going to see Peter become a fine man of God. It's going to happen. We're going to see the Arius is working in a team. Working in a team that wears down the enemy. When one of them needs to take a breath, the other's going to step up and hit the enemy like a piston. We're going to see it. We're going to see the halls cultivating fellowship. We're going to see the Molochs be songbirds in their home and prophets on the street and healing parental influences in people's lives. We're going to see it. But you got to fight for it. We're going to see Damien and Tamika teach the word all over the world. All over the world. Went and played music everywhere, sang everywhere. Oh, he's going to please his king with a whole different tune. Watch. Because we're going to fight for it.
Look, join the hands of your neighbors for a minute and let's say fight for it. Get in here, Daniel. You need this. I couldn't do this 60 pounds ago. It's about to sue my knees for lack of support. Y'all ready? Say fight for it. Father, we will fight together. We will fight with everything in the heavens. We will fight with the powers on the earth. We will fight with everything except your spirit. Lord, you said to contend for the faith, so we are contending. In the name of Jesus, we speak it over our marriages. In the name of Jesus, over our children. We will stand up. We will fight for it. In the name of Jesus, we will fight for it. Now let us begin to praise our King in a heavenly battle and make good on our promise.